Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. Um, we're going to start the reading from verse 32. This is God's word this evening. And there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over his head in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou fear God? Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man have done nothing Amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading this evening. So this evening, we're simply looking at the cross, and as we all know, the story of the two thieves being crucified, being put to death beside Jesus on on the crosses at Calvary. There's some stuff that we can ponder over and we can think about when we look at this account here from Luke of what happened. Here is the Son of God being executed like a criminal. He was here between these two thieves, even though we know that he was innocent and he'd done nothing wrong. Crucifixion was the worst form of capital punishment in Roman Empire, except in maybe certain cases. It wasn't used for Roman citizens It was only used for slaves or captured people, and it was known to be extremely shameful. But yet here is Jesus being crucified in the middle of these two thieves. Also, it's interesting to consider that in this picture we have Jesus not only in the center of these two thieves, but he's here as the sacrificial lamb of God. 
dying for the sins of the world. And on either side of him are these sinful men. And one of these men will be saved by Jesus while they're hanging here on the cross at Calvary. But sadly and tragically, the other will die in his sins. The cross of Jesus divides the world and divides people and divides human beings into two groups of people. It divides one group into those who are being saved by him and the other group by those who will perish. Those who go into eternal life and those who will go in to eternal punishment. Those who will go into paradise and those who will go into torment. It's fascinating when we consider how the one thief on the cross came to be saved. You know, he was nailed on the cross, a condemned man. He was nailed to the cross to be put to death for his crimes and facing certain judgment from God as well. But within ours, he was a saved man. And he would later join the Lord Jesus in paradise that very day. In the account here that Luke gives us, we don't know much about this thief. The thief that was saved, we don't know his name. His name's not mentioned. We don't know his nationality. It's not mentioned. We don't know what age he is. It's not mentioned. But what we do know is that he was a lost soul hanging there on that cross. And he was being executed for being a criminal. As we see in verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. Luke also mentions the insults that were hurled by the onlookers. You see that from verse 35 to 37. The people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen Son of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. But when it comes to these two thieves on either side of the Lord, you see there's only one throwing insults at the Lord at this point. There's only one throwing insults at Jesus. One of the criminals who were there hanging reeled at him, saying, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and us. It's strange because back in Matthew's account, you see that both thieves were hurling insults at Jesus. But here in Luke's account, there's only one thief, just the one thief that is throwing insults at Jesus. And the only thing that makes sense is that something had had to have changed in this man's heart and in this man's mind. 
He started out like the other thief ridiculing Jesus along with everyone else. But sometime as he hung there on that cross, he began to see things differently and more clearly. As we read from verse 40 to 43, that he rebuked the other thief. He says, do you not fear God since you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly receive our reward for what we've done wrong. But this man, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. He's innocent. So at this point, the thief realizes that Jesus was hanging on the cross, an innocent man. He had done nothing wrong. How did he know that? Perhaps he had heard about Jesus maybe before or maybe even he had listened to him teach. There's no indication of that in the text. But instead, it seems that everyone around Jesus could, that day could tell that there was something different about him. Even Pilate to the very soldiers who were crucifying him, they could tell that Jesus was an innocent man. He was an innocent man. And then you look at what he says to Jesus in verse 42. He says, Lord, remember me, or Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is absolutely remarkable. And they even had a sign above Jesus' head stating, this was also in the scripture, and this is the king of the Jews. And you know, to some, it must have looked like a real cruel joke. What kind of king is this? His own people were crying out for his execution. A poor man, he was basically homeless. And the only followers there that day was the woman and John. And on top of that, he's merely only hours away from being dead. Yet the thief says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that tells me that that is a tremendous amount of faith. He believed in Jesus, the innocent man. But he also believed in Jesus the king. And furthermore, he believed that Jesus would yet come into his kingdom. Absolutely amazing. It would seem that even Jesus' own followers at this moment in time didn't have the same confidence as what this thief in the cross did have. I'm not sure how the thief came to his conclusion it would seem that it was very simply by the hours spent hanging there on that cross beside Jesus, watching Jesus, listening to Jesus, and then giving his life to Jesus. And Jesus acknowledges the man's faith with such a wonderful response and wonderful promise he says in verse 43, Truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that awesome? 
Isn't that wonderful? What that man had done, however big of a mess that man had made of his life, whatever complete failure his life was, whatever crimes he had committed, whatever that that thief had done, he was now only hours away from being with the Lord Jesus in paradise because he had put his faith at that very moment in Jesus on that cross beside Jesus. What a blessing to be able to share in that blessed hope that when the day comes that we are nearing our final hours, we can know that we are going to be with the Lord in heaven for those of us that are saved and have given our hearts and lives to him. We too will one day be in paradise. Just like that faith, there's mansions being prepared for us in heaven. Those of us who are saved and ready to go. And in so many ways, sadly, there's still so many today in our communities and in our families who are still like the thief on the cross, guilty and condemned. Maybe not in man's court, but certainly in God's. Anyone who has sinned stands guilty before God and is basically living out their life on death row waiting for the sentence to be carried out. Also like the thief on the cross, so many today are totally helpless and they can't save themselves. Uh, today so many in our society will search for the answers in the corners of the drugs or the drink or whatever it may be. They'll try and find the answer in worldly systems But friends, that's not where the answer is. The answer is only found. The only hope that we have is found in Christ alone, in Jesus. Ah, friends, just like this thief, all that we can do, just like him, is call out to Jesus in faith. Just be saved like this thief was saved on the cross. Just cry out to the Lord. He's your only hope and he is your only answer. You know, you won't find the answer in the bottom of a needle or in the bottom of a bottle. But the answer is found in Jesus. It's interesting that this man on the cross, the the thief, he didn't ask Jesus to heal him or to save him from death. You'd think if one thing was on his mind, he'd be worrying about dying. He'd be worrying about death. He would say, Jesus, save me from death. But no, instead, he was worried about his soul. He was worried about his soul, and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He wasn't interested in death. He knew he was dying. He knew he was going to die. So instead, he was interested in where he was going to go to after he had died. Oh, again, just like many in our society today, so many out there think, you know, they must think they're going to live forever. 
They must think that death is not going to come to their door. They must think that they're uh, some doctor somewhere is going to find a, a miracle drug that they're going to live to 6,680 or something. They're going to just keep going. They're never going to die. But sadly, that's not the case. Death will come. And out there today in society, so many are again trying to avoid death by looking in all the wrong places and looking in all the wrong things. And they're putting together all the plans for stuff here on earth and all the parties that they're going to have and all the celebrations they're going to have and everything they're going to do here on earth, but they forget to prepare for their death. And what will happen to them after they die? They forget to prepare to meet their God. And that's society out there today for you. They think that they're invincible. They think that it's never going to happen to them. Oh, but friends, I can tell you from Scripture and from experience, I know different. That death indeed will come. And the only thing that matters when death comes is whether you're saved or not. At that moment when you know you're dying, it doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't matter, listen, see, whether you're good looking or or not. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what part of the country you live in. All that matters is whether you're saved or not saved. Because it's that will decide on where you'll be going after death. Anyone here or anyone listening tonight who's yet not prepared for after death. Maybe you can make this the night where you do prepare, where you are ready. You're not going to live forever. You are going to indeed one day die. And you must prepare for what will happen after that. A question that I asked myself as I was studying this message was, I wonder why Jesus chose the cross. Why did it have to be the cross? Surely the cross, the Lord, the Lord Jesus could have picked anything. He could have chose a number of ways that were less painful even. Yet he chose to be crucified. One of the worst tortures in history. He chose to do this. You know, no one took his life from him. He laid it down freely for you and I. Jesus specifically took a humiliating form of public punishment for you and I willingly. And he did so for a reason. You know, the complete and utter mystery and misery of the cross is part of his message. You see, the cross was an instrument of torture. It was a way to kill people with extreme prejudice. Crucifixion was a message from the oppressor to the oppressed. It was meant to make a point. Don't mess with the powers of Rome or you'll end up just like this guy. Crucifixion was designed to hurt terribly. Death on a cross was to 
inflict as much pain as possible. Giant nails being pounded through your body tend to do that. And it's also not a short process. The shortest crucifixion recorded was just 30 hours, but the longest was three weeks. And all that time for the person being executed, they have a choice to make. Due to the position of the cross, the position that the body is on the cross, the person's breathing would be very, very difficult. Because their upper body is pressed upon their diaphragm, making taking even one single breath very, very hard. So they could make their breathing easier by pulling themselves up on the nails that was drove through them drove through their body. Or they could just let give up and slowly suffocate by slumping down on those nails. And if the pain were not enough, crucifixion was also designed to be publicly humiliating. It was used by the Romans to show their complete and, dom- complete and total dominion over people. Yet this was the form of death chosen for the Son of God. The fully sovereign, the all-powerful Jesus took. He chose to take on this horrible death for us specifically. He took the most painful and humiliating form of public punishment for each one of his sheep willingly. And he did so to make a point. You see, the Messiah's suffering was such a shameful and humiliating death. It was unconceivable to the Jews. They were looking for, they were expecting a conquering king. They were looking for a sign of their own choosing that were not, and they weren't going to get it. The cross became a stumbling block to the Jews. They tripped over it on their way to find the journey to the Messiah. And again, a a king choosing crucifixion was also unacceptable for the Greeks. It was madness to them also. It did not make sense. They pursued prominence and wealth and power and pleasure. And their chosen king, the Roman Empire, well, they lived a life of unimaginable luxury. A king who died in embarrassment and shame and poverty was unconceivable to them. Yet God says this foolishness in their minds would be his method of testing. You see, the reason why this is of you and I tonight were to think of our king, our queen. Say even for sake, for instance, our queen. Would you picture a queen or a king hanging there on a the cross and choosing willingly to be your queen or king and going to that cross willingly. Our minds can't take that in. It was the same with the Greeks and the Jews. They, they couldn't accept it. They couldn't take it in. Yet this is what God chose. You know, our sinful hearts rebel against the message of the cross. Today again in society all out around us when you explain to them the message of Easter and the message of the cross 
what do they do? They rebel against it. They say no. Uh, the cross is an, unfin- an offense to the world. It's not pleasant or it's not manageable to them. It was humiliating and shameful. And it causes those who think they don't need salvation to recoil and stumble. Yet to those of us who are saved and being saved, it's in your face evidence that God loves us so much that he died a horrible death to save us. Our friends, just look at the cross. Just look at the amount of love that God bestowed upon us. When you look at what was done at the cross of Calvary, what was done in love for you and I. Just look at what took place on that cross of Calvary. It was gruesome, yes, it was horrible, but it had to happen. You see, because of what took on the place at Calvary and on the cross, you can be freely forgiven for your sins and be gloriously set free. Just look at that sacrifice that was given for you at the cross. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God, bleeding from those hands where they nailed those nails in. From his head where they pierced his skull with the crown of thorns. From his side where they put that spear right through him. All of this was to show such amazing love for you and I. You and I who deserves the punishment that Jesus took on himself on that cross. But yet he took it for us. So we wouldn't have to. Ah, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love from mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or forms compose so rich a crime? Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine. Demands my soul, demands my life, demands my all. And friends, tonight in finishing, remember also that Jesus didn't stay on that cross. No, he went to the tomb and on all accounts was seen and known as dead. However, on the third day he rose again, hallelujah, victorious over death. Hallelujah, what a saviour. But listen, my friend, tonight. These two men here at the cross, back to the cross, where they were hanging there beside Jesus. There was one cried out to him, and the other beside him. There was one who rejected him, and there was one who received him. And tonight I want to ask you if you were in that place, and you're very much so in that place nearly. Would you reject him or would you receive him? Our friends, would you be like that thief that mocks and scorns? Or will you be like that thief that will come and be saved and know you'll be with the Lord in paradise one day soon? 
You see, friends, it's your choice tonight. What will you do with Jesus? Will you receive him or will you reject him? And friends, if you reject him tonight, you'll have to live sadly with the eternal consequences that come with that. And I know that the devil will tell you lies and want to hold you back so long enough that he holds on to you long enough that you're lost. That's his plan. That's his scheme. And that's what he wants to do with your life. He wants to destroy it. But you know, only if you let him. You've heard the gospel, I'm sure, many a time being faithfully preached and, uh, and preached from this pulpit. And that you walk out through those doors and you reject the Lord time and time again. Are you going to do the same again tonight? Are you going to walk out through those doors rejecting them once more? And I can tell you tonight there's no guarantee that you'll be back in another gospel meeting. There's no guarantee given to you that you'll see tomorrow. There's no guarantee given to any of us that we'll see tomorrow. That's why I say today is the day of salvation. If you were to get right with the Lord, now is the time to do it. Ah, friends, if you reject him tonight, you'll have the consequences to bear with. But it doesn't have to be that way. You could come right to Jesus now and give him your heart and your life. Repent of those sins. Turn away from them. And say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you. And then you can sing with the hymn writer tonight. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. Ah, friends, it's now your choice. It's now your decision. You've heard the gospel been preached very uh, ably as I was, uh, I'm able to. And now when my voice stops, I want you to continue to listen to the Lord's voice and what he's saying to you. Because he's speaking to you, dear sinner, tonight, whoever you may be listening here or on audio, wherever you may be. Let me tell you this tonight. You're loved by Jesus and he's not wanting you to perish. So make that right choice and give your heart and life to him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your precious word this evening. And Father, we just pray that the few fables sayings that came from my lips, Lord, that you will take and and use, Father, mightily by your Holy Spirit. And Father, even if one come and give your their hearts and lives to you, tonight we'll rejoice of the angels in heaven and give you the praise and the glory. And Lord, we thank you just like the thief on the cross for those of us who are saved. We know that one day we will be with you in paradise. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise and we give you glory and honor. And we just ask, Lord, you'll take and bless this word to hearts. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.